Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. All righty, welcome to Vitality Radio. This is Jared St. Clair. I am your host each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. It is good to be with you once again on a beautiful blue-skied Saturday. Oh, my word, it's gorgeous out there. It is uh, tax day, isn't it? April 15th, uh, national holiday for all day of mourning and uh, fear. Anyway, uh, it is what it is, and <laughs> we'll try and lighten up the mood uh, for those of you who uh, just sent in your uh, tax returns um, and aren't getting a return, especially. Of course, Vitality Radio is all about getting to your optimal vitality through alternative measures, things that uh, avoid surgeries and hospitals and medicines and things like that. I want to open up the show uh, a little differently than I typically do, and then we're going to have this fantastic guest uh, on. He's been on just one other time, but easily one of the best guests I've ever had and one of the uh, greatest interviews in terms of the, just the sheer volume of knowledge of this gentleman. Uh, Karan Krishnan is going to be on speaking about something that uh, you probably don't know much about. I certainly didn't know much about it until he actually educated me on it uh, just a month ago. So I'm really excited about that. Definitely something to stay tuned for. He is a wealth of knowledge and information, and you won't want to miss it. Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful at 107 South, 500 West. I uh, want to uh, share a little story. So my daughter uh, is seven. And she is just, she's just my little angel. She's always had a unique connection with me, and uh, she does things for me that, uh, well, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, things that you can't quite describe. And she's given us a couple of scares in her life. Uh, she had a, an incident once um, uh, when she was three that uh, I thought I was going to lose her, and she ended up in an ambulance, rushed off to the ER. And uh, yesterday, uh, she went in for what is considered a pretty routine surgery uh, to repair a hernia that uh, developed uh, a few years ago and, and has uh, gotten to the point where it needed to be fixed. And so I want to say something really quickly. I often say things about modern medicine that are quite disparaging. I'm not taking any of those things back. There are a lot of things about modern medicine that stink, and uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of garbage going on when it comes to drugs, surgeries, necessary, unnecessary, whatever, lots of stuff. But I'm so grateful when we need it for these more urgent matters, uh, for the careful hands and uh, training of these doctors and nurses that can do wonderful things. Nora came through with flying colors yesterday. Uh, out at Utah Valley Hospital, and she is uh, she's doing fantastic today, all ready to hunt Easter eggs. So pretty miraculous stuff, really, what they can do uh, with a scalpel. And uh, it is uh, it's an exciting day for me because I was pretty nervous yesterday. I decided that uh, if the good Lord wants to punish me after this life, he will just put me in a hospital for eternity, and that would do it. So, uh, yeah, glad that I'm not there anymore, glad my little girl's okay, grateful for the uh, doctor and the nurses that uh, helped out yesterday. Thank you so much. All right, now, Vitality Radio almost always starts with me getting a little bit off my chest, and it's time once again for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, 
media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Okay, this is not a topic that I have not ranted about. Uh, What I should say is this is a topic that I have ranted about in the past. And, uh, you know, I try not to uh, rehash things too much, but there is some new stuff that I want to talk about. And um, I think it's important because there is still a huge amount of uh, misconception, misbelief, um, uh, poor education that's coming out on this topic, things that are really frustrating the heck out of me. And uh, they should be, well, changed in your mind. There are a lot of things that have been, we've been told for the last 50 years that just simply aren't true. And I'm going to talk about fat again, but I'm going to talk about it in a little bit different way. There was a, an article by Maggie Fox in NBC uh, News. She's the health writer, and so I pick on her quite a bit. She writes a lot of interesting stuff. And um, I just happen to like their website the best in terms of uh, surfing around and finding information for the show. So I use them a lot as a resource because invariably I can find two or three or four things on NBCNews.com every single week that are rant worthy. And today is no different. Heart attacks and strokes fell by more than 6% three years after New York counties banned trans fats, according to researchers. A national ban on trans fats starts in 2018, and the study by a team of Yale University shows it may not be, or it may not only cut deaths, but non-fatal heart attacks and stroke as well. And the article goes on to say some pretty interesting things, but that number is no small number, right? 6% uh, reduction in heart attacks, heart attacks and strokes in only a three-year period uh, with a trans fat, you know, ban in these New York counties. Now, I don't know how a New York county ban totally translates uh, to what this national ban is going to be, because clearly people in New York county are going to travel Uh, They're going to be able to get things that still have trans fats in them. And uh, so, you know, hard to know for sure how many trans fats these people were eating, but certainly a reduction in trans fats and, lo and behold, a reduction in heart attacks and strokes. I don't know that anybody's particularly surprised about that, but it is encouraging news. Now, trans fats, if you're not familiar, you've seen partially hydrogenated oil, uh, and you've heard that's bad. Well, same thing. Trans fats, partially hydrogenated oil, same stuff. But what's interesting here to me is that the article goes on to say that, uh, yeah, these trans fats are bad, and we've known they're bad, and this is a win. And people said, you know, New York was the nanny state for getting rid of trans fats, but maybe they're really just helping their people uh, be healthier, and so on and so on. But then there's this silliness, and it really is silliness that goes on that really is frustrating to me. Later in the article, it says, uh, a nationwide trans fat ban is a win for millions of people at risk for cardiovascular disease. The FDA estimates that already 80% of trans fats are gone in the U.S. food supply, and their aim is 100%. So what are the substitutes? According to the article, good substitutes for partially hydrogenated fats and saturated fats are liquid oils such as olive oil, canola oil, and safflower oil. Now, last night, I posted a video on my Facebook page for Vitality Radio. So it's facebook.com slash Vitality Radio, and you should watch it. It's not more than about five minutes long. Have you ever seen that? I don't even know what channel it's on, uh, but it's uh, one of the cable uh, education kind of networks. They have the How It's Made show. It's kind of fascinating. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, there's a lot of really cool things. Sometimes the topics are more interesting than others to me. Well, I found the snippet that they did on how they make canola oil, and I posted it, and it's awesome. Um, Not like awesome in a good way, but awesome and wow. If you watch this, you will probably avoid canola oil for the rest of your life, and you should because the stuff is garbage, and well, we've kind of known that for a long time now. So here's the thing. Uh, what does it say? Good substitutes for partially hydrogenated fats and saturated fats, and that's the biggie, are liquid oils such as olive oil, canola oil, and safflower oil. So what's the truth? 
The truth is, saturated fats have not been proven to raise the risk of heart disease. In fact, in the majority of studies that have been done now, there have been five different what they call meta-analyses done, analyses, uh, where they have said that, uh, you know what, um, saturated fat really isn't a problem. Uh, people that eat a lot of saturated fat don't have more heart disease risk, don't have uh, higher levels of uh, bad cholesterol. In fact, in most cases, they have the opposite, uh, more LDL and less H, or sorry, less HD. Okay, let me start over. Less LDL and more HDL. In fact, uh, if you've ever heard of the, uh, you know, the Bulletproof Diet or the Bulletproof Exec, uh, he's a big proponent of eating half a stick to one stick of butter from a grass-fed source every single day. And uh, if there's actually a, quite a bit of evidence showing that that may be heart and brain protective. But yet we are still saddled with this misconception that has been fueled by the food industry and by our government saying that saturated fat will kill you. And that's the same information we were fed when they said, hey, margarine's really great because there's no saturated fat. And now, started by New York County, but now nationwide, we're having a ban on these same fats they told us were heart healthy way back when. And it's just a crock, like country crock. It's garbage. And so the question arose in my mind, now that we're getting rid of trans fats, what are we replacing them with? Well, have you ever heard of something called an interesterified fatty acid? I had not, and so I researched it. That's what they're making margarine out of now. So you can actually get trans fat-free margarine. And in this article, it says that that would be a better choice than saturated fat. And that is not true. The process they use to interesterify a uh, fatty, uh, the oil, sorry, to make it into a non-trans fat that is still stable on the shelf and still kind of acts like butter is weird. Let me tell you about it. In order to remove dangerous trans fats from margarine, a process is called, or called uh, interesterification is now used. This is how it works. Take an oil molecule called a triglyceride. Okay, now this is a little bit technical, but bear with me. The structure of the triglyceride is three long fatty acid strands, hence the tri, joined at one end by a glycerol backbone. Chemicals are used to snip the fatty acid strands off the backbone. And remember, it says chemicals are used. Okay, that's the first problem. They are then mixed with chemically saturated oils, otherwise known as fully hydrogenated oil, and reattached to the backbone in groups of three in an order that simply does not occur in nature, ever. True, there are no trans fats, the nasties that are linked to heart disease. Instead, we have a new type of chemically constructed fat, Studies have been done on this new fat, and the evidence is mixed. Some studies show it does not cause an increase in cholesterol like trans fats. However, other studies show that this new interesterified fat increased blood sugar by 20% in just one month and greatly increased insulin resistance. It also increased HDL and decreased, or sorry, decreased HDL and increased LDL like trans fats do. This is not good for those of you who may be prone to diabetes, heart disease, or weight gain. In fact, it only increases your problems. So, interesterified fat is a new form of trans fat, kind of. It's not the same thing, but it may be just as bad or worse. We simply don't know. And whenever we start experimenting with our food supply, guess who we experiment with it on? The American public. And generally, we experiment with it for a long time before we say, oh, uh, uh-oh, we screwed up. So let's just take a step back and recognize that somebody knew what he was doing when he put this stuff down here. And when we take a plant that has an oil in it and we chemically process it and we high heat press it and then we put it through a boiling uh, uh, process to deodorize it and to clarify it and then we bleach it. Yes, bleach it. And then we put it on the shelf in a plastic bottle and say, this canola oil is good for you. It's better than butter. 
we that believe that have to start to wonder if we're kind of dumb to think that way because it doesn't make any sense. But you know what the problem is? The bottle doesn't say any of that stuff. So the average American walking around out there says, oh, canola oil, no trans fats, it's, it's inexpensive, it's shelf-stable, it looks and smells good, and it works great in my brownies. Let's get some canola oil. Because butter is saturated fat, and it's bad for me. And who told you that? The government. And how many of us are in the business anymore at this point in trusting what they say? Yeah, think about that for a minute. All of this stuff has led to a higher level of heart disease than we've ever had, a higher level of diabetes to where people are calling it an epidemic. And as we've replaced what was here in nature with things that are completely contrary to it, we have created ticking time bombs in the forms of human beings walking around waiting for heart disease to occur. So don't believe the hype and don't believe these brand new articles. I can't believe they're still writing this garbage. Shame on you, NBC News, for writing this stuff saying, hey, a good substitute for saturated fat, which we know clinically doesn't cause heart disease, would be canola oil, which we know is basically a non-food by the time it gets to your table. And we also have studies showing that it is bad for you. So there's the rant for the day. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to try my best to do a yoga pose. That never goes well. When we come back, we have a genius coming. Yes, I don't know if he likes me to call him that or not. But this guy, seriously, he's got so much knowledge in that head of his. I'm going to just get as much of it out as I possibly can for you. When we come back, you're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I am your host each and every Saturday morning. I am Jared St. Clair, and you are listening to Vitality Radio, your source for sifting through the smoke screens of the stuff that's out there in the press. We're going to talk about some interesting stuff today. I'm so excited uh, for my next guest because uh, he brings just so much excellent information. And uh, just about a month ago, almost exactly, uh, I was in Anaheim at a trade show, had an opportunity to sit down uh, with this gentleman and discuss a topic that I frankly just didn't know much about. And he opened my eyes to something very important. And I said, please, on the spot when we were there in Anaheim, open up your calendar and figure out when you can come on Vitality Radio. And he was gracious enough to do so. Uh, so we're going to talk to him in just a moment. But first, I'll remind you that Vitality Radio is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful at 107 South, 
500 West. You can call us at 801 292 6662. That's 801 292 6662. If you have any questions about anything you hear on the show or if you want to talk about the jazz game tonight, whatever, give us a call. 801 292 6662. Also, it is a VIP Saturday. If you have one of our orange or blue bags, come by and use it. Fill it up. Uh, 20% off just about everything in the store. And uh, if you do not yet, and you mentioned that you heard this on the radio, it, on our super, uh, or sorry, our VIP Saturdays, we still give anybody 20% off of any one item of their choice. So come by and see us, 107 South 500 West. We're there from 10 till 7. Today, I will be there from about 1130 to 7, and I uh, can't wait to see you. Okay, so without further ado, Karan Krishnan is with us. He represents Just Thrive, one of my favorite companies. And I'm going to give you just a little backstory because these guys have had exactly one product uh, for quite a while, ever since I knew them. And it is my favorite probiotic in the world. The stuff is just absolutely phenomenal. We've seen some pretty life-changing stuff with this probiotic. In fact, we're going to talk about it for a few minutes at the end of the show if we have time. And then, all of a sudden, I get some literature from them saying that they've come out with a K2 supplement, vitamin K2. And, you know, what I knew about K2 at the time, I was like, that's weird because, you know, this is a probiotic company. That's what they do. And they do it better than everybody else. Why are they coming out with K2? Karan, do you want to put some, shed some light on that for us? Hey, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jared, great to be here with you as well. Um, thank you for having me. So, well, welcome back. You know, it's we have this you. philosophy when we started uh, producing products under our own brands, and that was to only do things that we thought were of significant need in the marketplace. Uh, we'll, we'll probably never be a company that has 15, 20, 25 different products, or even in the hundreds, like many companies do. And in fact, we uh, started the company out of pure need itself because we were always in the back. Uh, background of the supplement industry, doing the research, helping companies develop products. Uh, the probiotic came about from that for that reason as well. And then, you know, I've been working on vitamin K27 from the research standpoint, from the development standpoint for, I think it's coming up on like 15 years now. And I've worked with several companies to help them develop K2 products that are out in the marketplace. But nobody's doing it just right, and I can't convince them to do so. Part of that reason is a lot of supplement companies are run by marketing people. And so, you know, things like cost and messaging and all that stuff kind of come, gets in the way. And so when we said, you know what, vitamin K27 is probably, you know, and I would say arguably the most important supplement to take for anybody, even kids and adults, and we could talk about why, but nobody's quite doing it right. And we're not de delivering the key potency of vitamin K27. So we decided to launch a product of our own, and that's basically how it came about. Okay, so you just made a really bold statement, and it actually reminded me of something that happened yesterday at Vitality. I had a really regular customer of mine come in, and she says, if you were stranded on a desert island and mm -hmm. you can only take one supplement, what would it be? You just said K2 might be, K27 may be the most important supplement. That's a pretty bold statement. Uh, can you go into some detail on why you feel that way? Yeah. Um, so vitamin K27 is one of the essential vitamins uh, that your body needs. You know, there's about 13 different vitamins in your body. And what's amazing about vitamins is that there's, there's only a you know, little over a dozen of them, but they conduct tens of thousands of reactions in your body all things that are absolutely vital to your system and to function. Now, vitamin K27 in particular is really interesting because it seems to be the, the vitamin that halts some of the most chronic and debilitating illnesses that plague our society um, and still do today, despite all of the research and medications available. So these are heart disease, diabetes, cancer, osteoporosis, and so on, and even things like senile dementia, stroke, vascular disease, and now we're coming to learn that even things like Parkinson's or neurological disorders, uh, neurodegenerative diseases, all could have a, a function within K2 uh, deficiency as well. So it's the one vital nutrient that can halt and prevent the, the um, progression 
of many of these conditions. I always tell doctors, you know, if you took all of your patients today that you have and you put them all on vitamin K27, in this next year, you will save three out of four of their lives because out of, you know, four of your patients, three of them are either going to face uh, heart disease, diabetes, stroke, cancer, or osteoporosis. And, and the medications that we have available to us can manage those conditions to some degree, but nothing is really reversing the symptoms. And vitamin K2 is the one vital nutrient that seems to be able to do that. All right, when you started talking, or before you started talking to me about K2, um, I mostly was aware of the one thing that you just mentioned, osteoporosis. That K, the vitamin K27 uh, has this unique ability to basically uh, ensure that calcium gets to the bones the way that it should be, that it's a critical nutrient that's probably missing uh, in America in a big way because we have this huge consumption of calcium here with virtually no uh, real benefit in terms of preventing osteoporosis because we have an unbelievable amount of osteoporosis as well. So clearly, calcium alone does not equal uh, a reduction in osteoporosis. And I had read a fair amount about K2 in that uh, context, but you opened my eyes to a whole bunch more. But, but let's start there because I think that most people listening, that's probably about the extent of the knowledge they might have about vitamin K2. And then you keep saying, I'm saying K2, you're saying K27. Can you distinguish the difference between those two as well? Yeah, so that's important to note because in the marketplace, you'll find two different versions of vitamin K2. One is called K24 or sometimes abbreviated MK4. Um, And then what what I'm talking about is K27 and also uh, often abbreviated MK7. Now, the four and the seven, the the backbone of the molecule is exactly the same. They have the same kind of quinone ring and so on. But the four and the seven are distinguished by the number of side chains that exist on the molecule. Now, why is that important? Well, it actually completely changes some of the important characteristics of the molecule itself. For example, K24 is extremely unstable. So the half-life in the body is around three and a half to four hours. So it becomes really difficult to build up good serum levels of vitamin K2 by using the K24. K27 has a half-life of at least 72 hours in the body. So taking it once or twice a day, every day, you can actually build up um, good serum levels in the body, which is what we need in order to get all of the amazing benefits from vitamin K2. Now, also, it's important to note that in the marketplace, if you're looking at K24 in a product, there's a 99.99% chance that it's a synthetic version because there's just no good natural source of K24 that can be used in large-scale production. Um, K27 is made by fermentation. Uh, the same type of bacteria that make natto, uh, the Japanese fermented soybeans, uh, the same type, kind of spore-based bacteria that are in the Just Thrive probiotic, they're the ones that we actually utilize to make K27 and K27 is a completely natural fermented product. So it's, it's important to distinguish the two. And, of course, uh, if you heard the tail end of my rant, you know how I feel about completely natural versus synthetic. So, yeah, absolutely, a big, absolutely. big difference. Okay, so then, um, so that's the difference. So when we're looking for K2, we want to make sure it's K27. But talk to, to us about how it works in osteoporosis or in bone health. Yeah, and, you know, you, um, you mentioned something really important, that calcium supplementation is not really helping with, with bone health. And, in fact, the British Journal of Medicine published a study in 2012 that showed in perimenopausal and postmenopausal women, for every uh, for, who take 1,000 milligrams a day of calcium, and that's what your typical doctor will recommend to you, for every one case of osteoporosis that it may help, it definitely creates two cases of cardiovascular disease. So it almost doubles your risk for heart disease. Say that again really quick. I want to make sure people caught that. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. The the study showed, this is a huge study published in the British Journal of Medicine in 2012. What they showed is in perimenopausal and postmenopausal women who take 1,000 milligrams of calcium a day, and that's what everyone's doctor recommends, for every one case of osteoporosis that it may help, and that was even what the study had suggested that, they didn't have evidence that it could help osteoporosis, so they said if it does help, it creates two cases for sure of cardiovascular disease. 
Yeah, crazy, so it crazy, doubles, crazy. Virtually doubles your risk of getting heart disease by taking a thousand milligrams of calcium a day without the right molecules to actually uh, put the calcium in the right place. And that's one of the key things that K2 does. So one of the things that people don't know is that there's a whole bunch of proteins that float around in your body called vitamin K-dependent proteins. These proteins conduct very, very critical functions in the body, but they are all inactive in the body, and they require the activation by vitamin K27 in order to function. There's one key protein called osteocalcin that's involved in bone building, and it's actually the very final critical step in bone building, and that is taking calcium that's floating around and actually sticking it to the bone, actually gluing it there. So this osteocalcin, this protein, that's its job. And this osteocalcin protein is a vitamin K-dependent protein, meaning if you don't have adequate amounts of vitamin K27 in your system, you don't activate the protein, you cannot perform that last step of actually taking calcium and sticking it on your bone. And that's why calcium just kind of roams free. It floats around in the circulatory system, and more, more often than not, it settles into the soft tissue like in your vessels and your heart and even your skin, you know, things like wrinkles come about because of calcification of your elastin and collagen fibers. And so they lose their, um, their uh, tensile strength and they lose their elasticity. And so the skin starts showing depressions in it and that's from calcification. Um, so vitamin K2 is critical in that. Yeah, excellent. Well, that, and that I think is really important for people to understand because there's so many people out there you know, I, I mentioned in the uh, introduction of the show, the, in the rant, this, uh, all this misinformation that's been given us about fats over the years. And, and basically the same thing has happened with calcium. Uh, you know, you, you, you take 1,000 or 1,200 or some doctors are even saying 1,500 milligrams of calcium because you're um, osteoporotic or potentially in osteopenia. And they, they don't really say anything beyond that. Just, you know, do that. And then uh, we do that. And what happens well, we don't get better from osteoporosis because the calcium can't go where it needs to go. Most of the calciums that we're taking are horrible quality calciums anyway, so uh, the right. ability to even digest and assimilate it is very, very difficult. Whatever does get digested, uh, it doesn't end up in the right place. So it's really important, I think, to understand this the, the, the critical nature of K2 if you are trying to uh, maintain healthy bones or strengthen bones that are weak. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Now, you mentioned cardiovascular disease earlier. I want to make sure that I uh, understand uh, completely what you're saying here because cardiovascular disease and excessive calcium, there's definitely uh, plenty of science on that that I've seen. Uh, is, is that why KT, K2-7 plays a role in uh, cardiovascular wellness or is there something beyond that? Uh, so it's actually there's two, uh, two aspects to that. One is the calcium side of the story, and the second one is actually a discovery that we made, and uh, we were able to patent this and, and actually uh, publish a, we're publishing a study on it this, uh, this year, actually. So let's talk about the first one, the calcium portion of it. You know, we talked about if calcium is not being stuck onto the bone because of the right activation, it, it ends up uh, floating around in the circulatory system and then settling into the soft tissue. And the number one risk factor for cardiovascular mortality is something called cal your calcium score. So, you know, doctors have been looking for years for the best risk factors to be able to measure in order to determine people's cardiovascular health and their, and their risk for developing cardiovascular disease and, of course, heart attacks. So they've looked at things like C-reactive protein and blood pressure and then, of course, cholesterol. And we all know that you know, more than 50% of people that have heart attacks have normal cholesterol, and cholesterol levels don't really have a tie to heart disease. And blood pressure, you, even though blood pressure is a risk, it's only one of six risk factors that actually lead to cardiovascular disease. C-reactive protein is the same. So they've never had a good marker to follow to look at people's risk for cardiovascular disease until around 2003, 2004, when they started doing something called a high-speed CT. The high-speed CT scan is a scan that can look at the degree of calcification of your arteries and vessels. And then they developed this, this endpoint called the calcium score, which talks about the degree of calcification 
of your vessels. And that has two uh, big impacts. One is as your vessels become calcified, they become stiff. And if they become stiff, they lose the compliance and they lose the ability to flex and expand as blood moves through. And that causes a lot of damage to the inner part of the, of the vessel itself. And then also most of the plaques in your, in your arteries are calcified plaques. So the calcium plays an important role in creating the plaque itself. So then studies were done on the risk for heart disease with calcium score. And it has been determined that it's the number one predictor of cardiovascular mortality is how much calcium is in your arteries. So here comes in vitamin K2. Now, they've been trying to figure out, okay, if you do have calcium in your arteries, number one, how do you reverse that? Number two, how do you prevent calcium from getting into the arteries? They've been researching drugs for this for the last decade, and they haven't come up with anything. Vitamin K27 is a vitamin that activates a protein called MGP. This protein exists in your vascular tissue for one reason and one reason only that has been identified, and that is to remove calcium from your arteries. That's all it does so far that we've seen, Hmm. and it's activated by vitamin K27. So our body has this amazing protective mechanism built in to keep calcium from depositing in the arteries. That alone goes to show you how important that mechanism is. You know, that throughout the course of evolution, our, our system has been designed to have this critical protective nutri- uh, system, protein and nutrient to remove calcium from the arteries. That MGP can only be activated by vitamin K27. Yeah, that and that's awesome, and that's something that you uh, yeah that you taught me that I had never heard of before. So, really, really powerful stuff. When you consider that, what are people dying from in this country, and it's heart disease in a huge, huge uh, uh, kind of landslide win, landslide win right now. And so, yeah. prevention of heart disease is a huge factor. Now, um, I want to make sure that this is clear too. So, in it, when we go back to, to calcium and bone health and things like that. You know, there are, there are formulas that we know it, it's better if calcium has magnesium. It's better uh, with the K2, of course, you're teaching us as well. Well, what about K2? Is that something that can be taken, taken solo? Uh, is there, are there other things that are critical to making sure that it functions like it should? And how much should we actually take? Yeah, so that's a really great question. And, in fact, one, that was one of the reasons why we launched our own product, is when you look at the average K2 product on the market, um, the, the dosing that they provide on a daily basis is somewhere around 45 to 50 micrograms. On a higher end, it's around 100 micrograms of K27 as an active ingredient in the product on a daily basis. Now, those, are, those doses are good. They still will help. They're fine. But the studies are clear that the, with K2, there's a, something called a linear dose relationship. And what that means is that the more you take, the better up to a certain point where the benefits aren't uh, increasing based on dose. So we're talking about the latest study, which was just published in 2014, showed that around 320 micrograms a day, you get almost 100% of the known benefits of vitamin K27. And at 180, you get about 60%. So my Mm -hmm. question to all these companies were, well, why would you provide people with 50 or 60% of the benefit when you can be getting 100% of the benefit? So why aren't you doing a 320 microgram product? Well, then the, the answer is always the cost. Yeah. You know, and they want to keep margins at an appropriate level and so on. So we said, you know what? We're going to launch a 320 microgram K2 product because we want people to get 100% of the benefits from the product. Um, then the other part of it is the supportive nutrients. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Because K2 is a uh, carboxylating uh, uh, vitamin, which means that it requires enzymes to function along with it. And anytime enzymes function, they, re- they require coenzymes. And some important coenzymes that K2 requires is magnesium, zinc, and boron. And we ended up putting those in the product as well at, at RDA levels. We didn't go with super high levels because... People are getting those from other sources as well. But we put just enough to make sure that the 320 micrograms of K2 were going to be active in the body the whole time. So that makes it the most effective K27 product on the market, the right dose, the right supportive nutrients. And then the last part is the stability. One of the key things about K2 is that it tends to be a very reactive compound. 
It's sensitive to moisture. It's sensitive to light. Uh, we developed K27, natural K27, as a prescription drug for the Asian market. In Asia, a lot of these vitamins are actually prescription drugs. So we had to go through about three years of study on how to stabilize it in, in order to deliver it uh, over a two-year shelf life. And so we have the most stable version of K27. What we find in the marketplace is, is companies using products and not doing it the right way, so the stability is off as well. And, and what you find is products, once you test them a couple months after manufacturing, the potency level goes way down because it's unstable. So those are the three important aspects that caused us to say, you know what, we need to do our own version of the product. It's too important of a nutrient. Here's another point why it's so important. We don't get any of it from our diet, and that's the key part. You know, all of the vitamins, and I still think it's important to supplement with, with most vitamins, even. but we do get most vitamins in our diet in some form or the other. You know, and, and whether it's a fortified thing in foods, like vitamin E is used as a antioxidant in many, many different foods, so you're getting some source of vitamin E. Vitamin A is found in many foods as well. Um, you know, and then vitamin uh, C is found in a lot of foods fortified, of course. Uh, a lot of foods contain natural levels of vitamin C. But vitamin K and vitamin K27 in particular is not found in any foods in the Western diet. And studies have shown that people in the, in the Western world are all subclinically deficient in vitamin K27. And we can't make it. Our body doesn't make it. We can't convert it from other things. So we just end up going into deep deficiency, and that shows up as cancer, heart disease, osteoporosis, stroke, so on and so on. Okay, so you, that brings up a great question, I think. Uh, what about this whole thing between K2 versus vitamin K or K1 and the differences there and the concerns that people have about uh, K1 if they're on a blood thinner? Yeah, so that's a great question. Now, you know, if you look at your, your multivitamin, it'll say vitamin K on the label. That is vitamin K1. So K1 is a different form of vitamin K. It actually comes from leafy green vegetables. And K1 functions only in the liver. So when you take vitamin K in, whether it's K2 or K1, your body in the intestinal tract has something called an active transport mechanism. So this is this, uh, the fancy word for it is shilomicrons. These are like little uh, transporters that grab the vitamin K from the intestinal tract and transport it directly to the liver. That's how important vitamin K is because they have this specific active transport through this escort system. Now, vitamin K1 and K2 are both took, uh, taken into the liver, and vitamin K1 ends up staying in the liver in order to function in the blood coagulation cascade pathway. So its, goal, its role is really to function in coagulation. Vitamin K2 is then sent outside of the liver to go function in all the rest of the tissues. Now, when you're on a blood thinner, especially if it's warfarin or coumadin, those are vitamin K antagonist blood thinners. Vitamin K antagonist blood thinners are ones that prevent the function and recycling of vitamin K in the liver so, and that's K1 specifically, and so you can't form blood clots or can't, at least can't effectively form blood clots. So doctors will say that taking vitamin K1 is a contraindication, um, and that's true in a sense, but if you're working with your doctor, you can still take vitamin K1 and measure your PT and INR, and, and most people who are on Coumadin or Orphan will know what that is. So it's important to work with your doctor on this, measure your PT, INR, and make sure everything is functioning properly when you're on K1. K2 doesn't really affect the PTINR because it goes outside of the liver and goes into the circulation. But still, if you're on Coumadin or Warfarin, if you're taking any form of vitamin K, talk to your doctor about it, measure your PTINR, but I think you'll see that your PTINR is actually becoming more stable and more functional. Now, the good news is there are some new blood thinner drugs out there, like Xarelto, I think is one of them, that are not vitamin K antagonists. So they don't function on the vitamin K pathway at all, which means that vitamin K, either K1 or K2, are not contraindicated for it at all. Gotcha. Okay, excellent. So we've got just a couple more minutes to wrap up this particular topic because I do want to spend a little bit of time on uh, the probiotic side here in a minute. So what else do we need to know about vitamin K2-7 and uh, specifically this formula that you've developed? 
So the formula delivers uh, the highest dose on the market, which is absolutely critical because we know the vitamin K2 functions in, in virtually all tissues in the body. Some of the new discoveries of vitamin K2, I'll just rattle them off. Uh, without too much explanation, is we found that vitamin K2 functions in the mitochondria of the cell. If your listeners aren't familiar with what the mitochondria is, it's the powerhouse of the cell. And it actually increases the energy output from every single cell by almost 40%. And that has a huge impact in overall longevity. One of the things that happens during aging is your mitochondria and your cells start to die. And that's a something called the mitochondrial theory of aging. And that's the number one most profound physiological difference as you get older is the mitochondria within your cell that powerhouse the engine start to die. Vitamin K27 can rescue that and increase the function of the mitochondria. So it becomes one of the most important anti-aging compounds as well. Our, uh, our other new discovery is that vitamin K2 increases something called cardiac output. Cardiac output is how much blood your heart can pump with each beat without working any harder, meaning without putting stress on the heart, increasing blood pressure, and so on. Vitamin K2 increases cardiac output by about 13%. That means in a single 24-hour period, you're pumping about 900 liters of more blood through your system just by adding the vitamin K27. We all know how, how critical better circulation is. The last thing I want to mention with vitamin K27 is in 2014, a study came out that showed that statins, interfere with vitamin K2 function in the vascular tissue, right? So statins are the number one prescription drug that are prescribed for heart disease today. And as we know, the more statins we prescribe, the more heart disease there is. So it's not, it doesn't seem to be helping. <laughs> it reminds me of that calcium thing we talked about. Exactly, you know, and, um, and, and also the fact that cholesterol, which is what statins are trying to lower, doesn't really have much to do with heart disease. Exactly. So we're, we're throwing this drug at it saying, let's lower cholesterol to prevent heart disease, and really we're not preventing heart disease. But what we are doing is statins do seem to interfere with the function of vitamin K2 in the vascular tissue, which means that statins actually could be causing more heart disease by restricting the function of vitamin K in the vascular tissue which is the one and only thing that can remove calcium from your vascular tissue. So I would say if you are on a statin, you know, definitely think about getting on vitamin K27 as a supplement uh, to reduce that risk. Talk to your doctor about it, of course, but it becomes extremely important for those people especially. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, that blood flow uh, statistic that you gave me, uh, that 900 liters uh, is just fascinating and, and so powerful. If you think about just that one benefit alone, uh, it makes me want to take uh, the K27. It makes all kinds of sense. Excellent. Well, as always, you've uh, shared uh, probably more than our brains can handle, but we sure appreciate it. Um, I, you've uh, told me that you've got a few more minutes, so we're going to cut to a break. At the end of the show, we're going to have about uh, eight minutes or so uh, to talk about something else that just... I, I always go back and tell people this, that uh, the first time I ever talked to you, uh, Karam, was on the phone about probiotics. And yep. in about a two-hour phone call, I believe you taught me more about probiotics than I'd learned in 30 years prior. And so I want mm -hmm. to share a little bit about uh, uh, that information with uh, our listeners when we get back. So we're going to cut to a quick break. Uh, we'll come back in just a couple of minutes and talk uh, probiotics, some things that you don't know that you need to know about probiotics. When we come back, I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. Insurgent Sports Nutrition is a brand new sports supplement company with a unique philosophy, refuse to conform. In the sports nutrition industry, one company starts something and has some success and everyone else tends to follow their lead. What you end up with is a bunch of Me Too products that don't add up to anything special. What you typically see on the market are formulas with all kinds of ingredients that look good on the label, but do very little to advance your training and performance. At Insurgents, our motto is, everything you need, nothing you don't. While many brands put the right ingredients in a product, most don't put the right dose. There are clinical trials for a reason, to prove not only if an ingredient works, but also how much of that ingredient it takes to provide the desired effect. At Insurgents, we won't add an ingredient to a formula unless we can add the clinically effective dose. 
Our first formula is our Insurgents pre-workout. Pre-workouts nowadays are a dime a dozen. They even sell them at the big box stores. The vast majority of pre-workouts on the market are overdosed on caffeine and other stimulants and underdosed on the stuff that actually increases your performance. Insurgents pre-workout has all of the most critical ingredients to improve endurance, strength, energy, and without the crash that comes with a megadose of stimulants. Insurgents pre-workout comes with or without caffeine and has no additional stimulants. If you want a truly effective, hype-free pre-workout that tastes great, is free of artificial colors, and absolutely does the job, refuse to conform and join the insurgents. For more information about Insurgents Pre-Workout, call Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Welcome back to the most nutritious hour on the radio. Vitality Radio with Jared St. Clair on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I am your host each and every Saturday morning. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's so good to be with you on this beautiful tax day. But you know, it is tax day. That's a downer. But it's also the jazz and the playoffs day. So that's pretty cool. So, you know, there's always something to be grateful for. And I'll tell you, today... Just look at the sky. Oh, my goodness, it's beautiful out there. Enjoy this Saturday before Easter. Enjoy your Easter weekend. I hope you have a great time with your friends and loved ones. And uh, thank you, as always, for listening to me on Vitality Radio. Okay, so we have just a few minutes left, and I want to uh, talk more with uh, Karan about this probiotic thing because, in my opinion, in Natural food stores like Vitality Nutrition, uh, which my family's operated now for almost 40 years, there is not a more confusing topic than probiotics. There's so much out there. It's all Latin, uh, very strange stuff, and people just don't, I think, quite get it. And I'll tell you, I, as I said before the break, in a couple hours on the phone with you, which, of course, we only have a couple minutes now, you explained a lot. What's the deal? If you can share five minutes worth of information that people need to know about probiotics, what would you say? Yeah, that's such a critical thing because it's getting more and more confusing every day, like you said. Um, Some of the myths behind probiotics that I think are important for people to kind of sift through in order to find the products that could really help them is number one, don't be fooled by the dosing. You know, uh, probiotics have uh, companies, when they try to compete with one another, they've always tried to outcompete the other guy by putting in more cells and more strains, meaning one product sitting on a shelf at 10 billion CFU, the one next to it is like, hey, I'm at 50 billion CFU. So you'll see that CFU stands for colony forming unit. So you might find on the packaging somewhere it says 50 billion CFUs or 50 billion cells or 100 billion cells, and it goes on and on and on. The fact of the matter is, if you study probiotics and you research and you study the research or you do research yourself, You'll, you'll learn that there's no studies to substantiate that any higher dose is, is simply better than a lower dose. Like, there's no studies that show that 50 billion cells is any better than 10 billion cells or 100 billion is better than 50 billion. That's really kind of all marketing, um, and it's just a way of kind of distinguishing the product. Now, the other thing is uh, the number of strains doesn't really seem to matter because uh, a number of studies have been done. To, to look at the viability of the number of strains, and really the key is the quality of strains. You're much better off taking one strain that's a high-quality strain um, versus a product that has 10 different strains in it that really aren't going to do much uh, to your system itself. So don't be fooled by the number of strains and the, and the concentration and the number of cells in the product. Look for products that have certain key features. The first one is survivability. So in order for a probiotic to act as a probiotic, it has to survive through this gauntlet that we put it through, which is the digestive system. You know, your stomach is really hot. It's very, very acidic. It's called a gastric barrier because it's supposed to act as a barrier against microbes and bacteria. So the vast majority of probiotic strains tend to die going through the stomach. 
And if they somehow survive the stomach, they'll die in the bile salts in the upper GI, or they'll be killed off by the pancreatic enzymes. So there's at least three major hurdles for probiotic bacteria to get through in order to get to the intestines, the lower part of the intestines alive. So you want to find probiotic products that have verified survivability, and the verification should be from a third-party lab. Now, the other part of it is that once it gets to the site of action, it has to colonize. If it doesn't colonize, which means attaching to the tissue um, and the mucosa within your, within your gut and, and starts to uh, multiply, if it can't do that, then it's not really functioning as a probiotic either. So you want to see products that have some evidence that the strains can colonize in the gut as well. And then the third thing is you want to see products that have verification of the strains. And this may be, to me, one of the scariest parts about the probiotic industry in general, is a 2015 study held, published by the Journal of Nature, which is the top scientific journal there is, um, and it was done by University of California, San Diego. They took 16 different probiotic products from health food stores, retail, uh, online as well, and they did something called DNA sequencing to of the strains that are in the capsule. So what they were doing is trying to identify what type of bacteria are actually in the capsule and did that match what was claimed on the label. Out of 16 products they tested, only one matched what was claimed on the label. So 15 out of 16 products they tested from the retail shelves had completely different bacteria in the capsule than what was found on the label. And that's a huge problem because you really need to know what you're taking. You know, and, and, and that, um, that kind of transparency and validation is extremely important. And so you need to find a product that has DNA verification by a third-party lab of its strains so they verify for you what is actually claimed on the label is actually in the capsule. And if you start focusing on that, you'll start narrowing yourself down to just a small handful of products. And those are the handful of products that can really make the difference in your gut. All right, so Just Thrive is uh, hands down my favorite probiotic. I tell people all the time, I wish it were my own formula because the stuff is just amazing and it works incredibly well. Um, in just a few seconds, uh, what is it that's special about this? You've, you've mentioned, obviously, the verification, uh, the survivability and all that kind of stuff. When it gets to the gut itself, what does it do that makes it so different from other probiotics? Yeah, so it does about a dozen things that are extremely different. I'll talk about two of them because of time. The first one is something called competitive exclusion. So these microbes actually act as the police of your gut or like the SEAL Team 6 of the gut. They can get in there. They use a, a system called quorum sensing. They read the microbial environment, and they can actually find and identify harmful pathogenic or overgrown organisms. Then they'll go and they'll sit next to those organisms and they'll produce up to 25 different antibiotics in the gut itself to kill off those organisms. So they directly eliminate the harmful bad bacteria within the gut. Now at the same time, they produce a bunch of nutrients um, and metabolites that actually support the growth of the good bacteria within your system. We've done studies where you do co-culturing. We find that the presence of these endospores that are found in Just Thrive actually increases your natural levels of lactobacillus and bifidobacteria and so on. So they act as both a prebiotic in that sense where they specifically increase the growth of your good bacteria, then they also fight off the presence of bad bacteria. Now the second I'm, and I'm, extremely important function Karan, I'm unfortunately we are up against the wall. I'm actually twenty seconds over. I'm gonna have no, you on yeah, again no and we're problem. gonna hit it up and I'll in fact uh, I'll talk about that. I actually talked about just thriving leaky got a couple of weeks ago. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. I've got to go. Uh, this has been Vitality Radio. Uh, my name's Jared St. Clair. Thank you so much for listening to Vitality Radio and thanks for joining us, Karan. Thank you for having me. Bye bye. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young 
Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.